Uh, well, this morning I'll be continuing our message uh, in Matthew. And I know there's some folks, it's your first time here, so glad that you're here. Uh, we've been going through the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, 6, and then chapter 7. And just looking at the teachings of Jesus that he's sharing and how we want to be, you know, disciples that hear from the Lord and obey. Amen? Right? That's what Jesus is sharing. That's what we're doing. We want to, actually at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, you actually see, uh, if you hear God's word and obey, it's like uh, building your house on a rock, actually. There's, there's a foundation that is firm when we build our life upon Jesus by hearing and obeying. But this morning, I'm going to be looking at Matthew 6, verses 25 to 34, and I'll get there just in a moment. But as I already alluded to, and uh, Scott, I really appreciate what you're sharing today, brother. I was like, there's such depth. When Scott shares, I'm like, man, I'm like, now I know what to preach about. You know what I'm saying? Anybody else? I'm like, I don't need to preach. I'm like, I didn't even see that point. I thank God uh, Scott was used by God this morning. But just showing that, that we can focus on anxiety and worry and different things. Um, but we got a God who cares for us. Amen? A God that knows what's in our life. He knows our needs. And we'll be looking at this more. But I, I felt like before I get into the main passage, God just brought back to me another scripture. Um, and uh, for me, I honestly, I've said this before a lot of time up front. I'm one of those, those people that can just be anxious, you know, get anxious. I was recently on a plane and uh, last year, and uh, I know they had the domestic flights needed to have masks on. I love flying, but for some reason, when I was wearing the mask, it made me feel like claustrophobic a little bit. I just felt like getting anxious, you know, and I would pray and all that good stuff. I just felt getting anxious and trust the Lord, and, and usually within like 10 minutes or so, like it would, it would chill out, but I don't know, I was just feeling that. I'm like, I don't normally feel that on a plane, uh, but I was just feeling that. So anyways, I'm, I'm a person that's like, uh, as I'm talking about anxiety and worry, I just want you to know I'm not coming for someone like, yeah, I never deal with anxiety. Uh, never dealt with worry. I'm glad you do. Uh, no, I'm definitely someone that does and goes to God as a prompter. But I thought of two ladies uh, I wanted to share from, from Luke 10, actually. Yeah, we'll go there first. And these two ladies, uh, they love Jesus, and so their brother, uh, their name, uh, Mary Martha, and their brother's name is Lazarus. Some of you probably remember this story. Uh, but we're in an age of, like, distraction, right? Like, I don't know about you, but we can so distraction. We can be on our phones. We can get distracted by the news. There's so many things going on. And that, that invitation I feel like Jesus wants us for today is to put away those distractions, trust them with our worries and anxieties, and just sit at his feet and just lean in. And let's just read about how Mary did that. Uh, Luke 10, verses 38 to 42. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. Uh, and Martha, that's a wonderful name because we have a Martha here. <laughs> and she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listening to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha. <laughs> You are anxious and troubled about many things. I can still relate to Martha. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. I just want to rest in that this morning with you. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to go into how Jesus is focusing us to seek one thing, um, him. So let's take a moment to pray. God, I just think that we can just rest, God, right now at your feet. Like Mary, Lord, um, God, I, Lord, you know, my life, a lot of times, I'm like, uh, not to say, uh, God, like Martha, I guess what she was doing, with just worried about so many different things. I'm sure there's other brothers and sisters here that could relate. God, we just want to offload to you. Just deep breathe, God, your grace in, your mercy, your love, 
God, I pray that we would receive all together what you have for us from your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah. Sometimes even talking about anxiety can make you anxious, right? It's like, man. Well, I have to backtrack just a little bit. So in Matthew 6, last week I was preaching about and sharing about, because Jesus was sharing about it, uh, you cannot serve both God and money. So if some of you are here, you might remember that. Maybe you fell asleep during that. That's what the message was about last week, serving God and money. And Jesus is just, he's the master teacher, right? So he talks about that, but he always just speaks straight to the heart. And we're going to see that he's connecting what he just said, well, what we shared last week, with what's going to be happening on today. You can't serve both God and money. And sometimes we think money is the provider, right? It's like money's the source of everything. Money's the source of protection. All the, and God's like, no, you either serve God or money. And that will make a little bit more sense because you'll see as we read in Matthew 6, verse 25, Jesus starts off with a therefore, referring to what he just shared previously. So if you're like, well, if I'm serving after God, I'm not following after money, there's a lot of anxiety that can come up, right? What about the practical needs? What about these things? Jesus is going to hit on this, and we're going to see that today. So in verse 25, Matthew 6, Therefore I tell you, this is Jesus talking, Do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow, nor reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? O you of little faith. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles, or you can say pagans, or those who don't follow after God, but for the Gentiles seek after all these things. And here's the part we need to land in. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. Amen? Whew. That little piece of that verse will make the next uh, sentence make a whole lot more sense. Verse 33. So then Jesus says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Amen? I'm like, Jesus just says it like it is. I'm like, that is the real deal. <laughs> so we're going to look through this uh, bit by bit this morning. And really just receive what the Lord has for us. I know for some of us, this is a very um, maybe well-known scripture for some of you. Some of you may be hearing for the first time. But I'm hoping we can just receive what God has for us together. This actually is really neat that the Lord just happened to line up today that this is the scripture. Because uh, this is actually, uh, sometimes people say they have like a life verse or like a life passage. I don't know if that makes sense at all. But for me, this has like been my go-to, like my rock. You know, it's kind of Jesus is my rock with this scripture right here. The Lord just speaks to me. And I want to, today I'm probably going to share some testimonies of cool things God's done in the past. But I remember when I first got called, uh, our Lord invited me to go to Bible school. And some of you have heard this story, but it's so good because it gives God glory, so we'll do it again. Um, but I was going, and, and I was uh, planning to go uh, right in the Rochester to a Bible school, uh, school called Elam Bible Institute and College. And uh, I was excited. Me and my brother were going, and everything was good. My dad had a really high-paying job. We're, we're going to school. 
And uh, I felt like to seek God first in his kingdom, the next practical step in that for myself and my brother was actually go to Bible school, which is really exciting. So we're going there, and uh, we didn't need to save anything because my dad had lots of resources, and so that was, we were just super blessed um, in that realm. And then about halfway through the semester, unfortunately, my dad lost his job. But we didn't, we didn't have any like, savings or like, backup on that, which is kind of like, hey, we're seeking God first in his kingdom in this practical area. And now we're in a place where I'm meeting with uh, like financial counselors actually weekly. I don't know how my brother Dave got out of it, but I had to go to them every single week. <laughs> They're like, okay, you owe X amount of thousands of dollars this week. And if you can get $450 by next Friday, we won't kick you out. And I did that week after week. That's kind of anxious, right? I don't know about you, but that made me anxious. And there's this wonderful guy named Bobby Liu. Uh, he's an Asian American, but had this Southern accent, which is a very confusing combination. But like, howdy, Jim, how you doing? We're just gonna look at your finances, and you know, you're doing great, but I will be kicking you out next week if you don't get it. <laughs> Anyways, you go get him. I'm like, oh man, I was like, I was getting nervous, you know? I was like, God, what's gonna happen? I really felt that where God was calling, he would provide, and I've heard that preached all the time. And I was thinking, you know, God's just going to provide all the money. And there's little bits that came in. But eventually, right before finals, uh, finals week, I remember uh, sat down with Bobby Lou, and uh, he's a wonderful brother in the Lord. And he's just saying, you know, uh, you guys need $5,500 to continue. And I'm like, man, we've been scraping it for like the last several weeks, week by week by week. I've been in these meetings being like, I have no clue how this is going to work. And he's like, unfortunately, since you don't have this money now, we're going to have to send you home. I can tell you, whew, man, the disappointment, the hurt, the pain, the sorrow, the loss in that moment was real. I remember when like 30 of our friends were just packing up our minivan in Rochester, and at the time, my parents lived in New Hampshire. I was like, really, God? Like you said to go here and that you're going to provide, and now we're packing up before finals? Man, anxiety was, was real. I remember there was one guy named James who came up to me, and he gave me $1. And I'm like, Really? <laughs> Uh, thanks. Uh, do you like McDonald's every now and then? And I'll put that to good use. No, but he said, keep the dollar. Don't spend on McDonald's. Keep the dollar. He's like, this is the first one that God's going to bring in. And I just had a hard time trusting God in that, to be honest, because they told me if we could get the money in 30 days, you could come back in the spring and you could do your finals. Essentially, when everyone's starting their school, you'll be starting your first week and doing your finals at the same time. So I went home, and I wish I could say, man, did I trust the Lord? Uh, yeah, James, God used James to encourage me with that, and like I was just trusting God, but no, uh, anxiety, worry. Yeah, have you ever been there just upset? Like, God, I thought you said to do this, and like in my mind, you're not providing actually in my timeline at all. But how many of us know that our ways are not God's ways, right? <laughs> His time is not our time. Jim had to learn how to grow in faith. It was on the 29th day, I remember my dad telling me, he had a company back in the day in Connecticut, and he told me that, hey, there's a check that came in from somebody, I don't know how it worked, but for 5,000, essentially we needed $5,000, so it was $5,500 came in, but we needed money for books. Came in on the 29th day, <laughs> out of 30, right? God provided, we were able to go back in the spring, drive back to Rochester, and able to take our finals in spring uh, week. Isn't God so good? I don't know. I just share that because I was thinking about this. I'm just thinking, like, hey, how can we make this practical? Uh, seek first, you know, his kingdom and righteousness. Um, but this, at, this, at the same time, I was doubting strongly verse 32. 
your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. I was just doing what God told me to do, but I was lacking the resources. But God's like, just trust me. I'm going to provide the resources in my timing. So I want to share that because I think for some of us, or all of us, there's things that God's inviting us to do. And you might be thinking, how can I prioritize you first in your kingdom when I got some real needs? And so it looks how Jesus encourages us today a little bit more specifically. So in verse 25, he talks about, do not be anxious about two large categories with specifics. The first one is your life. And the second one is your body. So as we look through scripture, it makes it clear that God is the creator of the body and life. Amen? Right? He's the creator. So he's like, look, he's giving examples who's created you, right? Life, but also your body. But specifically, don't get lost in. And these are basic needs. Sometimes we think like, oh, man, God's just going to give me everything I want. Right? It's just like I need the Corvette and then I can follow Jesus. And if you live in the North Country, you just know a Corvette will not make the frost teeps on the way to Lake Placid, right? That thing's getting wrecked. But hey, we're talking about needs this morning. God knows our needs. Specifically, what you will eat, what you will drink, that's basics for just life on this planet. But also about clothing. And then this time, clothing was so important because it wasn't like we're not just talking about, hey, you're having like these name brand clothing that you need to have. Once again, these are basic needs. That's where you had protection. That's where you had uh, warmth at night. I mean, this is the basic needs. And he's like, do not spend all your time, all your anxiety, all your focus on these, these present things. I'm inviting you in a moment to come seek after something greater. But sometimes we can get lost in the basic needs. And after Jesus just said, you can't serve God in money, it's easy how you could get to this place. I would be in the same place as I was there. I'm like, well, yeah, God, I want to serve you, but money, but if I serve you and you're saying to do that, how am I going to eat? How am I going to get food, water, right? Basics and clothing. And Jesus is like, don't worry about it. And he gives us two examples. He says, look at the birds of the air. Uh, and they neither sow nor reap in, or gather in the barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Scott mentioned this this morning, which is so good. Jesus says, are you not of more value than they? And Jesus is wanting to reassure his disciples then and us today that we are incredibly valuable in God's sight, amen? When we think God doesn't care about us or you think he doesn't value us, then anxiety, worry does come up. And sometimes for us, maybe we're in a parenting situation. So some of us have great parents, some of us have bad parents, but maybe you have been in situations where it's like, man, the provider of my family just did not come through sometimes, right? And then we could take that and project it, you know? Maybe I'm just not that valued. Maybe they don't care. Maybe that's why, right? But we see her here. Jesus is like, no, I deeply care for you. I take care of the birds. And believe me, you are far more valuable. Whew. Let that sink in. God wants to let you know you are very valuable to him. The things that we focus so much on in this life are oftentimes not the things that God values most. Because the things that God values most aren't things. They're people. They're you and I, the world. Are you not more of value than they? It's cool that he gives this illustration because there's different ways that people look at God's provision. Sometimes there's God will just provide everything. Sometimes people are like, God won't provide anything, so I'll just do it on my own. But the birds are really neat because, as we know, and I was reading commentaries on this, and this is probably, yeah, I could figure this out, but the reminder that the birds don't get the worms in the nest, <laughs> Right? God provides for them. They don't store away in barns, which would be a really fun little cute Amish picture, right? Little tiny barns, barn raisings all over the North Country. We're not seeing that picture. But Jesus is saying he provides for them, but the food's outside the nest. Does that make sense? Right? Because sometimes it's just like, oh, Lord, you're just going to provide. And maybe God does want to do that in a very specific way. But in this example, 
we're seeing that, yeah, there's food there, but the bird got to get out of the nest and go get it. The Lord does provide. Take that to heart, however the Lord might want to show you that this morning. <laughs> Are you not more valuable than they? And then verse 27 says, which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to a span of life? And as some of you might realize, there's also another wording on this, or add a cubic, uh, that's like 18 inches, to your height. So what does worry, profit, or anxiety? It doesn't expand life, right? Can you add another hour, or can you grow taller, right? Jesus is like, no, you can't. If anything, as we might know, worry oftentimes subtracts from life, right? For worried so much about tomorrow. Has anyone ever worried about stuff that never actually happened? I like to do that just, you know, just to have something to do with my time, right? I don't know, this is going to happen, you know. I don't know why. I've been, when I've been in planes recently, I'm just like, this is going to crash. This turbulence, it's going down. I don't know if anyone's ever felt this way, and that's never actually happened, believe it or not. I've never died in a plane crash. Might be hard for you to believe. But I don't know, sometimes it's just like, what am I doing? I don't, I don't know. I didn't used to think this way. Uh, <laughs> sometimes we worry about stuff. Let me tell you, worrying about crashing a plane does not add significant life. <laughs> it doesn't. It's subtraction. You're just taken away from that moment, and Jesus is making that point, which you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to a span of life or 18 inches to your height. And maybe some of you are like, Lord, I want that height. God, give me that 18 inches. Well, the Lord's saying that anxiety is not going to help you there. <laughs> we can trust in God because he values us. We also can trust in God because he cares for us. In verse 28, he goes in from uh, looking at the birds of the air. Now he's looking at, why are you anxious about clothing? And he gives these examples by looking at the lilies of the field, which a picture would have been a lot of Jesus' examples of agriculture, and you just do a lookout. So he didn't need any PowerPoint. He literally could just look at the, maybe the mountain he's on, the Sermon on the Mount, and just see all these lilies or flowers all over the place. And here, as we're in spring, we're seeing that too. Flowers are just beautiful, right, this time of year, and you get to see that. Jesus is making this point that they don't even, they actually don't do anything. They don't neither toil nor spin. But he's saying that the beauty and what they're raiding in was actually even better. And he gives the Old Testament example of King Solomon, which you might remember, he asked for wisdom. And the Lord blessed him with riches and everything else. He was like the big deal as far as like wisdom, uh, success. Unfortunately, uh, he didn't always use wisdom and made some really bad mistakes. But as far as like grandeur, wow, Solomon would have been it. And Jesus is like, <laughs> it doesn't even compare to these lilies of the field, which is crazy because these lilies of the field are only here for a temporary time. And Jesus said, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, which will be used to start fires and everything, will he not much more clothe you? The first time he's encouraging, saying, I want to specifically say you are much more valuable. That's, that's what the question's inferring. This time, he's sitting on our faith or our trust. He says, oh, you of little faith. I think for us this morning, we have to ask, God, are we fully trusting you in, in every area of our life, right? Is there things that you're inviting me to, to step out in, and maybe I'm spending more time worrying about other things or being anxious about? I remember one time I got to be down in New York City with a ministry team when I was at Bible school, and I had like this terrible sinus infection. I know some of you, you know what that's like, you deal with sinus infections, so you're just kind of like, oh man, how do I do life, right? So it's no longer safe for me to drive a 15-passenger van in New York City. Even when I don't have a, a sinus infection, it's not safe for me to drive a 15-passenger. I clipped a mirror of a cop car once, and I didn't have time to stop because people were rear to me. So anyways, yeah, whew. But we're there. I remember the Lord wanted us to go to a church, and, uh, and uh, where were we? I think we're in, um, um, I think, yeah, we're in Queens. So, um, so we're going to Queens, and uh, we were there, and the Lord gave me this message. We were there, and then someone's like, hey. There's a whole team here. You guys don't look like you're usually here. Can you share? 
I remember going up front, and I had nothing to share, but then the Holy Spirit gave me this passage. This has been a life verse, like I said. And I remember that God just showed me right there as I'm speaking in front of an entire church that I was not planning to speak at all. But God just reminded me, the things that we focus on oftentimes becomes the things that we only see, right? And I remember that. And at this church, they had like a drum set right over here. I mean, we got a drum set right over there. But if, if all we're focusing on is on the drum set, right, and say that's our anxiety, that's our worry, that's the things we're really getting consumed by, and let's just use the cross for Jesus, that works well. And Jesus is saying, fix your eyes on me, right? Trust me, you're valuable, I love you. But all we do is focus on those worries and anxiety. That eventually clouds everything we do, right? Everything we see in our heart. So it can kind of be, let's see if the cameras can follow, but if this is all we're focusing on, anxiety, God, what am I gonna eat? What am I gonna drink? Uh, God, what am I gonna wear? I know you're there, but this is everything I'm focusing on. We completely miss looking at Jesus. And oftentimes the disciples, they would, they would run into this. They're on the boat, they're freaking out. Jesus is like, calms the storm. Oh, you have little faith. For someone we look at Jesus, and we keep looking at Jesus, we get to start to see that Jesus is far greater than our circumstances, amen? He's far greater. And, and it almost becomes laughable in some ways, not to say our circumstances are laughable, but, but when you get to see, remember that hymn that's like, the things of earth will go strangely dim, right? We can also do that with Jesus if we're focusing on the wrong thing. We don't want the things of Jesus to go strangely dim. We want the things of earth to go strangely dim. Where we focus matters. Jesus said, don't get lost in all this anxiety, worry about the present practical needs. Once again, needs, not wants, that I know you need. And verse 32 says, for the Gentiles seek after all of these things. These are the pagans. These are the people that do not follow after God or claim they do. This is, their, this is what they do. Their whole life is based on this. Our life as Christ followers should look different, right? Aaron, I keep going to what you said about that coworker. It's like, man, it'd be interesting in Christianity if Christian's life actually looked different from everyone else. That's been hitting me hard, you know? It's like, yeah, our life should look different in the way that we live our lives. Sometimes our lives look like we're just fitting in. A couple of verses I wanted to share as, just, uh, as our Father knows that you need them all. God knows things ahead of time. <laughs> we see that throughout Scripture. And I wanted to share uh, a couple of verses elsewhere in Scripture showing that again. Um, one of them is how God is very aware of just even the specifics of our life. Like, he created the universe, but then he cares so much and knows us so intimately. Uh, in Matthew 10, which I don't think I gave the, the people back in the digital missions room, that's okay, but Matthew 10, 29 to 30 says, Are not two sparrows, ser, sparrows sold for a penny, and not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your Lord? But even the hairs of your head are all number, and God knows that number or the lack thereof. It's like it's not that hard to count. Okay. Others, you have a lot more here. God is intimately aware of the sparrows, right? He's intimately, but he knows exactly who we are. I love Jeremiah 1.5. Before, I, this is talking about Jeremiah the prophet. Before I formed you, God talking to Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Isn't that awesome? And before you were born, I consecrated you, and I appointed you a prophet to the nations. This goes right on in Psalm 139, 13 to 16. Same thing. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. 
My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in the secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there were none of them. I just love how God is so intimately involved in our lives, right? And sometimes we're like, does God actually care? Oh, he cares deeply about each one of you. Is God actually aware? Oh, he created you and knit you together in your mother's womb. It even says here that every single day of our life was known before we ever had one of them. Wow. So things we're worrying about today and hopefully not trying to worry about tomorrow, God knows what today's going to bring. He knows what tomorrow's going to bring. He knows every single day. I often think about it. I mean, I try to, it's hard to make God things human illustrations because you, you just fail, which is awesome. God's that big. But I often think, I love like video editing and stuff like that, but I often think of like a whole video or maybe like movies and all that, a whole timeline. God sees our whole timeline from the formation of us all the way to when we die, and he sees everything before we ever had our first breath. That's the God we serve. And I will just say, I mean, this is a sub point to a sub point, but God so deeply cares for people. God cares deeply for babies that he's creating in the mother's womb. He also cares for people all across the world. He cares for us regardless of what we look like. And I wanted to share that because I know this is a sub-sub point, but so many times we can get lost in like politics and everything like that, and we miss that God loves people, right? I'm not getting political, I'm just getting biblical, which will be offensive to politics, but I love offending politics. God loves infants and babies in the mother's womb. God grieves with the African-American community in Buffalo with the recent shooting. God loves both Ukrainians and Russians. I'm not saying this is simple how to figure this all out. I'm just saying, just bear with me, that God loves people. And when we think of enemies, we want them dead. When Jesus thinks of enemies, he dies for them. Sub, sub point. <laughs> Can't offend anyone's politics as nobody will like that on either side of the party line. But it's biblical, so I'm going to preach the Bible. <laughs> Lastly, what you need. We'll see this in Matthew 6, 7 to 8. We just read this a couple weeks ago. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them. And this is, again, let's just lock in this. For your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Come on. Isn't God awesome? It really frees you up. And I felt like the Lord is like, focus on what I know about you beforehand. Because when you get to verse 33... This is when I like to make a lot of excuses, and I think we like to as well. Because it's like, all right, God, you want me to seek first your kingdom and your righteousness, but we're realizing God's kind of taking all the excuses out, right? He knows what we need. He knows what we need before we're born. He knows what we need before we ask him. It actually informs us how to pray in a different way. Borrowing from what Jesus just said recently, uh, as we're looking at the disciples or the Lord's Prayer, Matthew 6, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness is actually like the first part of the Lord's prayer, except instead of just praying something and hoping that someone else does it, you ever done that before? God, would you reach my neighbors, Lord? Oh, Lord, there's no other Christians on the street but me. God, would you send somebody to love them? Please, God, just not me. <laughs> I don't know if we pray that way, but sometimes we can, though, in the way it's like, God, I want you to be part. Seek first his kingdom and righteousness, but for God, we want to pray that your kingdom come, your will would be done, right? We want that to be the prayer, but we also want it to be the prayer of our life. 
God, we want to be available to be used by you wherever you want, any time of the day, because we don't even know if today's promised. We don't even know how the end rest of this end of the day is. Sometimes we can act that way. I know I do. But God's saying, hey, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Instead of putting all the energy into seeking after all, like we're looking at the drums, all the needs, all these things, and putting all the energy. Not to say, is it wrong to be able to provide care for it? No, he's not saying that. But don't put all your first energy into needs. Put them into seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness. And then an interesting thing is, those things that everyone else is seeking after, God's saying those practical needs will just come follow you. So what was what other people were seeking first, you're not seeking first anymore. God's saying, I'll bring those along in his way. As I share an example in his time, because sometimes, most of the time, his timeline is not my timeline. It's far, far better. The last verse I want to share this morning from here is, therefore, it says, do not be anxious. Verse 34, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. And I love, uh, I know I mentioned numerous times, probably the uh, missionaries I just so uh, just look up to, even though the Lord now is Jim Elliott and Elizabeth Elliott. Jim said this quote, and then Elizabeth said it all the time, so I thought it was Elizabeth, but I guess she was copying Jim, but whatever. But my mom would tell me this, because she knew I would be anxious and stuff, and I'd always be thinking about the future, and my mind moves very quickly, I'm always thinking of a lot of things. My mom would always tell me this, so thanks, Mom, which turns out to be a quote from the Elliots, but it says, wherever you are, be all there. And maybe some of you, like me, might need to need this reminder this morning. Wherever you are, be all there. Don't get lost in tomorrow. <laughs> Don't get lost with distractions of all the things on your phone or all these like glittering things that go. Wherever you are, be all there. And then I found out the quote actually went longer than that. Jim Elliott said, live to the hilt every situation you believe to be the will of God. Live it to the fullest, whatever situation you're in, wherever you are that God has you today, each day of the week, God, I want to live this situation for the glory of God, whatever that looks like. I was recently just at a playground yesterday uh, with the kids. The weather was so nice. And I felt like the Lord's like, hey, just want you to go over. And, and, and just, uh, there's a grandmother who was there with her daughter. Just, just listen and love on and see if this lady you know, you could pray for. She wasn't looking for prayer by just listening to her. And uh, it was just cool. I was just at a playground. It wasn't like a scheduled thing or anything. Um, but I felt like the Lord's like, go over and just love on this person. Live to the hilt every situation you believe to be the will of God. Amen. And God's will focuses on people, not things. <laughs> it's the people that Jesus came and died for. It's the people that he died for on the cross. It's the people that were in rebellion against him, myself included, that Jesus came to die for. One of the things my wife Crystal and I recently just grown in is actually in praise and worship, Mark, which is exactly that. And I'll just be honest, I'm an anxious dude. Like, I am. Like, I, I look at people that seem like they have it all together. Like, I internalize anxiety. I get health problems. I'm that kind of guy. I'm weak. I'm not one of these strong people that's not like I can figure it all out. But the antidote to that anxiety that the Lord's been showing me is just spend time in his presence and worship. I go a lot. One, two, three times a day. My wife and I, we were, we were singing last night for, I don't know, two, three hours. I don't even know how many hours just praising God into the early morning. And there's something there, right? When we're just in the presence of God, just praising him. George Mueller, a missionary said this, and this is something I've been trying to do. He's like, stay in the presence of God long enough until your soul is happy. 
So I don't look now anymore, God, am I going to do 15 minutes in your presence? I'm just going to stay in his presence long enough until my soul is happy in his presence. That could be two minutes. could be an hour. could be hours. Don't really care. I just want to have my soul delight in the presence of my Savior. And because of that, anxiety, worry, things I struggle with, to be honest, just be vulnerable. I'm just offloading to Jesus. I'm just casting cares, worries, anxiety. And God's just downloading peace, joy, confidence, love, hope, excitement, passion, zeal, freedom, perspective. Well, let's have a time to respond in praise. We're talking about it. Let's do it. Can you lead us and then we'll have a benediction?